Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Kramer on the other side of the glass. We're riding solo this morning. You know what? We might even take a call or two. Throughout the course of the morning, 913-576-7610 is your chance to get involved. 69306 is the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. We will be with you guys coming up until 12 o'clock when Dusty Likens and Nick Price take over with Out of Bounds. We are live and local today here on 610 Sports Radio. Happy to be with you guys this morning. A lot of Chiefs and Texans talk coming your way this morning. A lot of Chiefs and Texans talk, which I would imagine is going to be all right with you guys. I hope you don't mind. Maybe you prefer the national talk. I would prefer to hear about the Chiefs this morning. So we will give that to you until 12 o'clock. The place that I want to begin today is with what was undoubtedly the biggest national storyline yesterday. It is, of course, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, the rivalry that is, in my opinion, about to begin. Here's Mike Greenberg on ESPN. Football is not a sport that lends itself to one-on-one. There is no magic versus bird in this sport. What there is is Unitas versus Star, Bradshaw versus Stabler, Farr versus Aikman, and, of course, most recently, Brady versus Manning, the defining rivalry of this century. They met 17 times, five in the playoffs, and one or the other has represented the AFC in the Super Bowl in 13 of the last 18 years. On their heels now come these two 24-year-old superstars. They were drafted two slots apart. They were born three days apart. They play in the same conference, and they are flat-out dealing. Mahomes leads the league in passing yards, Watson in touchdowns. Watson won a national championship in college. Mahomes already has an NFL MVP. In their pro careers, they've combined to throw 117 touchdowns and 31 interceptions. Plus, they both ooze leadership, determination, and talent that is at times impossible to believe. Their teams right now are a combined 7-3 and three, and both currently lead their respective divisions. In short, there is every reason to believe these two quarterbacks will be the faces of the National Football League for the next 15 years. And this Sunday, we get to see them on the same field for the first time ever. I agree with him for what it's worth. I think this is going to be the next big rivalry in the AFC. I think Watson-Mahomes is it. They're 24, they're superstars, they've got everything you could possibly want, both on and off the field. Everything you hear about Deshaun Watson, great dude off the field. Everything you hear about Patrick Mahomes, great guy off the field. On the field, in my opinion, they're the two most exciting quarterbacks to watch in the NFL. You could have Russell Wilson on that list, I'll listen to that argument. Those are the top three for me. I'm not saying the three best. I'm saying the three most exciting, and in my opinion, also happen to be the three best. They represent where the NFL is going. They were all spread guys in college. They come to the NFL. They're able to run. They're able to scramble. They're able to improvise. This is where the NFL is going. I think they are symbolic of the direction of this league. 
Other people disagree with me. In fact, the host of our afternoon show, Carrington Harrison, vehemently disagrees with the notion that we should already be clamoring and believing that this is going to be the next AFC rivalry. I will let you listen to something that he said yesterday so he can give his view on why he doesn't see it going The that rivalry way. that we gravitate towards and the ones that we flock to are teams that can go to and win the Super Bowl. Like when Kaepernick and Russell Wilson, when that was a thing, Niners went to a Super Bowl, Seahawks went to a Super Bowl, Seahawks won one, Niners didn't win theirs. We talk about Brady and Manning, both got rings. We talk about Brady and Roethlisberger, both have rings. Is this going to be one where Mahomes gets his ring and Watson never goes to and never plays for a Super Bowl? So here's the difficulty that I have with that argument. I think we have some revisionist history as to what Brady Manning was. Because in the end, no question, every year, especially when uh, Manning was on the Broncos, every year those teams were battling for supremacy in the AFC and going to the Super Bowl. Did we all view Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as a quote-unquote rivalry early on? I think starting in about 05 we did. And we knew we were watching something special. Brady already had his three rings at that point. Manning was putting up stats unlike we had seen in years. He had the 0-3 playoff win here in Kansas City. Like, we had seen, okay, Manning's going to be excellent. Brady has the rings. This is a thing. I don't understand how that can't be the case here as well. So let me give you a few numbers on Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning started his run in Indianapolis in 1999, 20 years ago. They played the Patriots 17 times between the years 2000 and 2014 when he had his run in Indianapolis. The Colts were 7-12 and 12 in those games. Excuse me, it was 19 times, including 1-2 and two in the playoffs. Only faced each other three times in the postseason when Peyton Manning was playing for the Colts. From 1999 to 2014, a span of 15 years, the Colts made the conference title game just three times. Three times. They made the Super Bowl twice, winning once. As much as we make of quarterbacks winning the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning really very rarely was actually a contender to win the Super Bowl. His team consistently won 12, 13 games, but there was a reason why he got the notoriety, he got the name, he got the um, stigma of being a choker in the playoffs. The reason why is because more often than not, his teams didn't go all that far in the playoffs. Now, not all of that was on him. We can get into a discussion about Manning if we want to. That's not really the point that I'm trying to make here, though. The point that I'm making, as much as we try to make these things about Super Bowls, as much as we try to make these things about championships and playoff appearances and all these different things, at a certain point, it's just about great quarterbacks. And right now in the league, you'd be hard-pressed to find two different quarterbacks that are playing the position better that are younger, that are more exciting, that have their teams going in the right direction better than what you're seeing right now with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And I would add this. I think here in Kansas City, we have a skewed belief as to what Deshaun Watson is. Guys, Deshaun Watson is awesome. He is incredible. That is not a shot at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is tremendous. Patrick Mahomes is the best. There are other good quarterbacks in the NFL, though. And Deshaun Watson just so happens to be one of them. I think sometimes we get so like locked in on, 
oh my God, Patrick Mahomes might be the best one ever. Oh my God, nobody else is good because we got Patrick Mahomes. And I hear you. I understand it. Mahomes, I've said all offseason, is the outlier. But Deshaun Watson is doing things we've rarely seen from quarterbacks his age. Deshaun Watson, as a rookie, was doing things Mahomes did last year. He only started six games, and in those six games, he threw for 19 touchdowns. That's three touchdowns a game. Let me do my quick math over the course of a season. That would be 48. That's incredible. That's pretty damn close to the 50 touchdowns we saw last year out of Patrick Mahomes. The next season, he followed it up. Finally healthy. Wasn't quite right the first few games, but threw for 4,000 yards. No, it's not 5,000. I hear you, Kansas City. I understand. I'm not saying he's better than Patrick Mahomes because he's not better than Patrick Mahomes. But what we are seeing out of Deshaun Watson is what a future star looks like at the quarterback position. And for my money, I like this. I like seeing the fact that there's somebody that's going to push Patrick Mahomes. Again, he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes is. But this is from Colin Cowherd. He was pretty close to Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes. Now Deshaun Watson's got a great receiver and a good two, Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills, and a running game, and a left side. So now, now let's start comparing Watson and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, because now it's much more fair. Both have reasonable offensive lines. Both have great perimeter weapons. Both have decent running backs. And Bill O'Brien's not a bad coach. I'm not saying that. But um, when you watch him this weekend, I don't think the gap's what you think the gap is. I think Mahomes is better than Watson. I think it's real close. I don't know that it's as close as Coward's making it out to be, but it is close. Like, it, it's not a huge difference. Earlier this week, CDOT asked us on the show, if you have the option, you're an owner, and you can hit a button. And option A, you get Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Option B, you get Bill O... Or, excuse me, Andy Reid and Deshaun Watson. I messed up this hypothetical button game. What are we doing here? Andy Reid and uh, Deshaun Watson. Option B, you get Bill O'Brien and Patrick Mahomes. So you're flopping quarterbacks with the coaches. I chose Watson and Reid because I think the gap is wider between what you have with Andy Reid and what you have with Bill O'Brien than it is with the quarterbacks. I think it's that close. I don't think it's as close as Cowherd's making it out to be, but I do think it's pretty darn close. Deshaun Watson is really, really, really good. And you look at what these teams are and how they're constructed, and it's similar. The Texans' goal was, let's build this offense so that way we can have as many different weapons around Deshaun Watson as humanly possible. You've got New Hopkins. You've got Will Fuller. You've got Kiki QT. They added Kenny Stills in the offseason. Jordan Akins, their tight end, is really talented and young. They're starting to put together a better offensive line in front of him. They get, they get Duke Johnson this offseason. Every single one of those guys, just to kind of go to the fantasy route, they're all fantasy relevant tomorrow. You go over to the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. You add some running backs. You pick up LaShawn McCoy right before the season, just the way that the Texans picked up Duke Johnson right before the season. You've built up a pretty good offensive line, albeit hurt right now. These are two of the most exciting young offenses in the NFL. They're battling it out tomorrow for the first time in their careers. This is the start of something special. This is what it looks like. The pushback that we're getting is not because this can't be the next great quarterback rivalry. It's because people aren't willing to admit that what we did with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, we have a lot of revisionist history as to how we got there. It wasn't because they were both winning rings. Brady was the one winning rings, just as I believe Patrick Mahomes will be in this comparison. 
Manning was just great. We all could see it. We all knew it was coming. It was a matter of time before he got his ring. And that's how I believe we're going to look at Deshaun Watson down the road. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. My name is Brandon Kiley. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. The protein house, eat with a purpose. Text line is 69306. I would be curious how you guys feel about this rivalry that is emerging between Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Give me your thoughts on that. The protein house, eat with a purpose. Text line 69306. Coming up here in just about 20 minutes. All right, guys. People are telling you that the run defense doesn't matter. They're wrong. We'll get into that coming up here in just about 20 minutes. But next, Tyreek Hill's absence has proven his worth. I'm no longer questioning what his worth was. I really wasn't to begin with. We're definitely not doing that anymore. We'll get into it next on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. The protein I'll see with a purpose text line 69306. If you guys want to get involved in the show, you can hit me up on Twitter as well. I am at BK Sports Talk. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. Coming up here in just a moment, we are going to get to how Tyreek Hill has proven his worth in his absence. We're talking about Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and how, as much as I don't believe it's going to be the next Brady Manning, like to that extent, because I don't believe there's ever going to be a next Brady Manning. Brady is the greatest quarterback in terms of accomplishments in the history of the league. I think you can make an argument Manning is the second best quarterback in the history of the league. I don't know that we'll ever see that. I do think we're going to see quarterback runs, though, and quarterback rivalries moving forward, similar to what we saw with Brady and Manning. And I do believe that we've done a little bit of revisionist history with Brady and Manning. I kind of gave these numbers out briefly beforehand. From 1999 to 2014, the Colts made the conference title game just three times. The Super Bowl twice won it once. As much as we talk about the rings and how important that is in these rivalries, Colts weren't exactly battling for a ring each and every year. Greg called up to the leadoff to talk about this. He wants to get to his thoughts in on the Brady-Manning comparison for Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Greg, what's up, man? What you got for me today? Hey there, Brandon. Uh, you know, I thought from the day one that this was a very, very uh, interesting match as far as who to draft. And um, I was in the, in the uh, park of... You know, look for the guy that has a championship pedigree. So I thought Deshaun Watson should have been the guy we, we drafted, not thinking Mahomes is going to be as good as he is. But now that we have Mahomes, obviously we love Mahomes. I think it's un, uh, inevitable that they're going to be compared. And you have to look at the literature, too. Like uh, Dr. Watson and Mr. Mahomes is going to be an obvious comparison with the literary figures uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So I love that combination as well. And I think it's just going to be – uh, the first match of many, many down the line uh, because uh, these guys are just so evenly matched. I, I think one game, you know, Deshaun Watson could win Saturday, I mean Sunday, but uh, in the long run, Mahomes could be the better quarterback, it's, but it's yet to be written is the way I look at it. So it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. I hope you win. But uh, Deshaun Watson's no slouch, man. That guy can really move. I, I like him. What do you think? Hey, I appreciate it, Greg. Thanks so much for giving us a call today. I'm with you. I, I love Deshaun Watson. Like, I'll give some of these numbers out later on here in the show. Deshaun Watson, if you look at what he's done through the first three years of his career and compare it to every other quarterback through three years in their career in the history of the league, he's one of conservatively the five best quarterbacks we've ever seen at this point in his career. Conservatively. You can make an argument for the second best. You can make an argument for the best. And that's only because Mahomes hasn't gotten there yet. But 
He's going to go down as one of the best three-year starts to a career that we've ever seen. There's no question about that. And so that's where I think the Peyton Manning comparison comes in. Manning wasn't great in year one. But by year two and three, we knew, okay, this guy's going to be special. And it was about the numbers for him. It was always about, man, he's every year putting up 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. And this is in a different day and age when 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns was really damn impressive. And so where we are today, I think that's going to be the comparison. Where Patrick Mahomes is as much about the numbers, I understand. He's, he's different than Brady. But I think Mahomes is going to have the accomplishments and the numbers the way that Brady did. I think Watson, to start out, I think this will change eventually. I think he will get his ring. But I think Watson, to start out, is going to be more about the numbers. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think he has a great coach right now. So we will get into that more coming later, coming up later on here in the show. I did want to get to Tyreek Hill because I think what we've learned over the first, especially the last two weeks of the regular season for the Chiefs, is just how important Tyreek Hill is. Here's the latest on Tyreek Hill. This comes from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Tyreek Hill, the chief star receiver who now suddenly is someone they really need after a uh, dismal performance last week. He is getting very close to being back. He has practiced this week in a limited fashion, trying to return from a sternoclavicle injury. From what I understand, there is optimism that he is back on the field and is out there this week. But similar to the Sam Donald situation, feelings are one thing, but tests and scans are another thing. They're going to scan the bone, make sure it is healed properly, make sure it's safe for him to be out there. It's going to happen today. If all goes well, he should be out on the field this weekend. I don't think we can understate how important Tyreek Hill is to this team. I don't think we can. He makes the running game better. He makes Mahomes better. He makes things easier on Travis Kelsey, and we all saw how frustrated Travis Kelsey was after last week's game. He makes everything different. He makes Sammy Watkins' life easier. He makes it harder to put a safety over the top for McCole Hardman. He is the guy that changes the way that teams can defend the Kansas City Chiefs. Teams defend the Chiefs differently because of Patrick Mahomes. There's no question about that. And I'm not trying to lead on the fact that Mahomes isn't incredible and that he's not the greatest thing that there's ever been. I, I understand all of that. We've all seen the last two weeks that things have changed. Like, things without Tyreek Hill and with a hobbled Patrick Mahomes look a little different. It's not the same high-flying offense that we saw the first year of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and, frankly, the first few weeks with Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. Teams have adjusted. And so a lot of the kind of analysis that we've heard throughout the week is about how there is right now a game plan. There is a formula to beating the Kansas City Chiefs. You run the ball. You hold control of the ball. You keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. You play this man defense. That's how you beat the Chiefs. First of all, holding the ball, controlling the ball, not turning the ball over. All of those things are how you beat every team. But neither here nor there. The man defense part of that is a formula to beat this version of the Chiefs. When Tyreek Hill comes back, it is not a formula to beat the Chiefs. Because if you try to run that against Tyreek Hill, Mahomes is going bombs over Baghdad all day long, and it ain't going to be pretty for the defense. It's not going to be pretty for anybody. Tyreek Hill will beat your defense silly until you go home and the Chiefs will win 49-30. to That's how that works. Teams aren't going to play that way when Tyreek Hill gets back. That's the difference for the Chiefs offense with Tyreek Hill in it. I thought Sammy Watkins was going to have some of that in him. 
I really did. Kramer, I was a believer. I thought Sammy was going to have his breakout year. I watched him in week one, and I was like, damn, man, this guy looks like the Clemson Sammy. Clemson Sammy's back. They signed him to be this guy. He was going to be a 1B to Tyreek Hill's 1A. They were going to have basically three number one receiving options with him, Kelsey, and and Tyreek. This was going to be amazing, amazing to watch. You know what Sammy Watkins has posted since week two? Since basically taking over as the number one for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I understand there's one week where he basically didn't play. Do you know what Sammy Watkins has done in terms of his receptions, yards, and touchdowns since taking over as the Chiefs' number one wide receiver in week two? I mean, I don't, but I can probably guess it. Go for it. Uh, Probably about seven receptions for 50 yards. Okay, well, it's been better than that. It has been better than that. It It doesn't seem like it. I understand. Sammy Watkins since week two has 14 catches. For 167 yards and zero touchdowns. Auden Tate, who most of our audience has never heard of. And there's no reason why you would need to know who Auden Tate is. He stinks. He's one of the receivers for the Bengals. One of their 27 receivers that's filling in right now. While A.J. Green and John Ross and Alex Erickson's out. This guy is one of the random Madden 2020 generated players. Who's 6'6 and 200 pounds and runs like a 4'7". Auden Tate, since week two, has 14 receptions for 170 yards and a touchdown. Auden Tate, over the last four weeks, has been better than Sammy Watkins. It's over for Sammy. It's over. I was wrong. It's not working. I am very ready to admit it. Sammy Watkins is not the guy that I thought he was. That being said, Sammy, as a number two, when healthy, with Tyreek Hill on the field, can be effective. We saw that in the Patriots game in the playoffs. He came up with some huge plays. And so for as much as Sammy Watkins has looked different over the last few weeks, and I'm right there with you. I'm been every bit as frustrated as everybody else. As much as the Chiefs offense has looked different over the last few weeks, Tyreek Hill changes it all. And if Tyreek Hill plays tomorrow, this offense is going to look like the offense that we remember seeing. It's not going to look like what we saw last week. It's not. Even if Mahomes is a little bit hobbled, it's not going to look that way. The game plan to beat the Chiefs was the game plan to beat last week's Chiefs. The game plan to beat the team that was without Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Eric Fisher and Andrew Wiley and Alex Okafor and Xavier Williams and Chris Jones and Anthony Hitchens. That's eight of your starters, expected starters coming into the season, down by the end of the game. That version of the Chiefs, they can be beat. If you play man defense and you play ball control and you run the football, that version of the Chiefs can absolutely be beat. The version that we might see tomorrow, that can't be your same game plan. It just can't. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, Frank Clark has an opportunity, a real opportunity, coming up on Sunday to silence the critics. We'll get into that coming up here in just about 15 minutes, but coming up next, You've heard a lot that run defense doesn't matter this week, that what happened last week, it is not a big deal. I'm here to tell you that's hogwash. We'll do it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. we got Kramer on the other side of the glass. The protein LZ with a purpose text line is 69306. If you guys want to get involved in the show, 
So we're just talking about how the Chiefs team right now, or what we saw last week really, is not the team that we're going to see in six weeks. And so the game plan that teams are using right now to beat the Chiefs is not a formula that's going to work in January. Colin Cowher talked about his herd hierarchy where he basically ranks the top 10 teams in the NFL, right? He had the Chiefs at number eight in the league right now. Now, it sounds blasphemous when you hear it on its face. His explanation, though, kind of goes along with what I was just talking about. Number eight. You're going to be shocked, Kansas City. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. They're 30th in rush defense. They're 25th in total defense. Bottom line is you cannot win a Super Bowl with this defense. Now, this morning, they're number eight for another reason. The defense and nobody's healthy. You're asking me this morning who's who's the top four or five teams in the league. They're not healthy enough. They just got dogged at home by Indianapolis, who didn't have Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, and Andrew Luck. So they're going to move up. But right now, physically and defensively, this is not a great team, Kansas City at eight. Okay, so we're going to get to the run defense portion of that here in just a minute. But the part that he says about the injuries is really important because I think the Chiefs, if you're projecting forward, are a top four team conservatively in the league. Like I, I would say easily one of the two best in the AFC and over the course of the entire season in the NFC, if you bring that in, I think you could make a case for the Packers and the Saints over the Chiefs. That's about it. Like I, I think they're a top five team in the NFL right now if you're projecting forward without question. Right now though, with the effort and the players that the Chiefs had available last weekend, there's probably 10 teams in the league that would have beat the Chiefs, right? Like, New England would have beat the Chiefs last week. The Bills might have beat the Chiefs last week. The Ravens, that that version of the Chiefs, I think would have won that game. I think the Texans would have beat that version of the Chiefs. The Colts obviously did beat that version of the Chiefs. The Eagles could have. The Cowboys could have. The Packers, Lions. I think the Vikings would have. The Saints, the Panthers, 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. That's 15 teams in the league that I just gave you. That would have beat the version of the Chiefs that we saw last week. Now, I say all of that to say this. That version of the Chiefs ceases to exist tomorrow. What we saw last weekend is not the team that we're going to see in January. So as much as we're talking about how the run defense is what's going to get them knocked out, and again, I'm going to get into that here in just a minute, and the ball control offense can work, and the defense that they played against the Chiefs last week is what the formula is going to be moving forward. No, 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 no. No, none of that's true. All of that is true for what happened last weekend. The team that was on the field last weekend without Tyreek, without Sammy, without Eric Fisher, without Andrew Wiley, without Alex Okafor, Xavier Williams, Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens. If that team is the team that's going to be playing in January, then by all means, go ahead and use that formula to beat them. But as Cowherd just said in his rankings, the Chiefs team that's going to be on the field in January is not going to resemble the Chiefs team that we saw last weekend against the against the Colts. The team that we saw last weekend against the Colts, probably not a playoff team. The team we're going to see tomorrow against the Texans, I believe will more resemble the team that we should be expecting in January. Now, it's not going to be at full strength, but it's going to be closer to what we should expect in January. All right, so the run defense. It's been bad. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no talking around it. We are all big boys here. We are all big girls here. We can all look at what the Chiefs have done against the run and say very simply, it's unacceptable. Craig Stout watches more film on this Chiefs defense than basically any person in the country. 
He is the Chiefs defensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride. His entire job is watch the defense and tell me what's happening. So he watches the defense more than just about anybody. Here's what he had to say earlier this week on the drive when asked, what can you tell us about the Chiefs' run defense right now? The Chiefs have been bullied the last two weeks up front. They have really been exposed for being a little bit soft, both on the offense and the defensive line here. It's really concerning the number of guys that they brought in to try to not have this soft defense. We talked about the mentality, the aggression, everything like that all year long. Granted, it's week five. They're still learning. It would be great if they can get some of these things remedied, but they've really got to ratchet up this intensity a little bit more. It seems like everybody not named Tyron Matthew right now is just playing a little bit softer than you would want. Imagine being an NFL player and being called soft. Imagine it. And imagine again being an NFL player, playing for this defense, and being one of the guys that's been here the last few years and still being called soft. I'm not saying they're not. Like, what we've seen, the way you would characterize it is that's a soft defense. I don't believe the players on the defense are soft. I believe the defense that we've seen looks soft. And there's a differentiation between the two, and I think it's going to get better. I don't think it's going to be good at any point. It's the single biggest surprise of the season to me. The single biggest surprise. I thought this defense was going to be good against the run. Not average, not below average, good. What I saw at training camp looked like guys that were flying around. It looked like guys that were ready to take it seriously that this defense has not been good enough in the past against the run. I found this quote. This is from James Palmer of NFL Network. This came from last weekend's game. He was talking to Marlon Mack, the running back that just absolutely shredded the Kansas City Chiefs last weekend. Said, I asked Marlon Mack if there was a drive where he saw the offense break the will of the Chiefs. He said, definitely. It was the drive in the fourth quarter that went 14 plays. It included 11 runs and took eight minutes and 34 seconds off the clock to make it 16 to 10. That's why run defense matters. You can break the will of a team whenever you have a run offense that is just gouging a defense just gouging them imagine being a member of the chiefs on the sideline and you're watching that defense and you see the opposing team in the fourth quarter run the ball 11 out of 14 plays and take more than half of the time for a quarter off of the game clock that is demoralizing Now, the numbers would tell you, and I'm a numbers guy. Any of you guys that listen to this show know that. The numbers would tell you it's not efficient to run the football. Here's the problem with some of those numbers. And again, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm the guy that's going to tell you you should pass the ball more often than not. This defense doesn't cause negative plays. When you're running the football against the Chiefs, you can expect three or four yards every time. You're not going to have three or four yards, three or four yards, negative one, and now you're behind the chains. When you're running the football against the Chiefs, it's three or four, three or four, three or four, seven. Three or four, three or four, three or four, seven. That's what it looks like when you're running the football against these Chiefs. And if that continues, that's the problem. Because now, just imagine you're an NFL uh, coach for the, the team that's going up against the Chiefs, right? 
you already know you're going to have to score because last week's version of the Chiefs, not the version of the Chiefs that we're going to see in three weeks. You know you're going to have to score because Patrick Mahomes is going to score, Tyreek Hill is going to score, Travis Kelsey is going to score. You know you have to keep up. So you got four downs to work with. Every time that you get the ball, you got four downs. If you're running the football on first, second, and third down, you're getting, even if it's three yards a carry, you got to get one more yard on fourth down, and the Chiefs can't stop it. So you go for it on fourth down, it's fourth and one, boom, you keep moving the chains. Eventually, just like with the Colts last week, you go 14 plays, 11 runs, you take off 834 on the clock, Patrick Mahomes has been sitting on the sideline the whole time, and now you're moving forward. That being said, the biggest issue that the Chiefs had last week was not the run defense. It was an issue. It's going to be the biggest issue moving forward, in my opinion, that we saw last week. The biggest issue in that individual game, though, was not the run defense. The biggest issue in that individual game was they were sloppy as hell. The Chiefs were sloppy last week. Travis Kelsey had four drops. The Chiefs had four turnovers over their last two games. They have 18 penalties in their last two games for 176 yards. Let me put a point on this. Bashad Breeland against the Colts had more penalty yards than Damian Williams has rushing yards on the season. Against the Colts, Bashad Breeland had more penalty yards, 68, than Damian Williams has rushing yards, 57, on the entire season. They were sloppy. Drops, turnovers, penalties, it's got to get cleaned up. The run defense, I don't believe, is going to be solved this year. I think it's just going to be bad the entire year because it's not one thing, as Craig Stout said. It's everybody. It's a mentality. It's a scheme. It's a personnel issue. It's everything. Everything has gone wrong for the Chiefs against the run. But playing clean football is something this team can do. They can clean up the penalties. Travis Kelsey can stop dropping the football and your offense can get guys back that are injured. Those things can be fixed moving forward. The run defense is not going to be. It is an issue moving forward. I just think they're able to cover it up a little bit better by playing less sloppy football. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, I think there are two similarities between the Chiefs today and the Patriots today. I'll tell you what that is coming up at 11 o'clock, but coming up next, Frank Clark's got an opportunity tomorrow to silence his critics. And he needs to take advantage. We'll talk about it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass this morning. The Protein House Eat with the Purpose text line is 69306 if you guys want to get involved in the show today. So, The big game of the day is Texas versus Oklahoma. These teams have been going back and forth all week. There's been the whole talk about the upside down Longhorn. It's insane. But both teams are very good. This is a big game. They apparently had a little bit of an altercation on the field before the game. Nothing serious. You know how it is. Like, the teams get together. They pretend they're going to fight. They start pushing each other. They say, hey, hold me back, man. Hold me back. Nothing's going to actually come of it. Well, the referees decided to take it one step too far. This is according to Brian Davis, who covers the Texas Longhorns for the Austin American Statesman. Every player from both teams has now been issued an unsportsmanlike foul, according to the referees. 
They have announced that anyone who gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty today will be disqualified from the game. All right, listen. Let's all relax a little bit. Is it really that serious that if someone on Oklahoma over the course of the game today gets excited and throws down the upside-down longhorn, the horns down instead of horns up, that person's going to be disqualified from the game? Listen, I know the, the obvious retort is, well, then just don't put it up, put it down. I get that. But that shouldn't warrant a disqualification from the game. Anyway, just saw that on Twitter. Wanted to pass that along. The big news this morning for the biggest game of the day. If you're watching Oklahoma versus Texas and you're like, why did that dude just get disqualified? Well, there's your explanation. It is very simple. All right, so what I wanted to get into here, there is one similarity, two similarities really, but there's one significant one and another that is a little bit different between the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you may be asking yourself, what could that possibly be? Because I watched the Patriots on Thursday night. That team did not resemble the Kansas City Chiefs. I totally understand that. You're right. But they do have something in in common. This comes from Ben Volan of the Boston Globe. Quote, forget the final score. The Patriots offense is just not good enough to win the AFC right now. The upcoming mini buy will help the Patriots with their injuries, but they really are thin at receiver and tight end, and they badly need to trade for one before the deadline. Does anybody think that the Patriots offense as currently constructed can keep up with the Chiefs or the Texans? I sure don't. And Brady might not either. After the game, I asked Brady for his assessment of the offense and whether he and his teammates are good enough right now. Brady paused for several seconds and shrugged his shoulders several times. Again, that comes from Ben Volan of the Boston Globe. The similarity right now between the Chiefs and the Patriots is that both of them have a potential all-time unit. The Patriots' defense is incredible. It's the best in the league right now. It's one of the best we've seen in recent years in the NFL. The Chiefs have one of the best offenses that we've seen in recent memory. It's the best in the league right now. It's going to be one of the best that we've seen in recent years. Both of them have a unit that's simply not pulling their own weight. The Chiefs' defense is not good enough right now. It needs to get better. Going back to this report slash analysis from Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, does anybody believe that the Chiefs' defense as currently constructed can keep up with the Patriots or the Texans? I sure don't. And I don't think the Chiefs do either. They need to make a trade before the deadline. If you just switch out offense for defense, the Chiefs off, or Chiefs defense is basically the Patriots offense right now. Now the difference, and this is a significant difference, one of those units has Tom Brady. The other one does not. <laughs> and so if you have more faith in the Patriots offense figuring it out than the Chiefs defense figuring it out, I completely understand that. I'm simply here to tell you, if you watched that game on Thursday night, the final score tells you that the Patriots scored 35 points in that game. If you watched that game, you know that that is a very different 35 than what the Chiefs offense put up. In fact, their offense only put up 21. Tom Brady technically had 335 yards passing. That was the worst 335 yards passing performance that I think I've ever seen. He was terrible in the game for most of it. 
He had a couple of really nice throws, but he was terrible for most of the game. Their running offense was atrocious. They couldn't pick up fourth and one. They couldn't convert on third and short situations. The Patriots offense looked atrocious in that game. That's how the Chiefs defense is right now. There's one other similarity. And I think this actually may be the more important similarity between the Chiefs and the Patriots right now. The biggest strength that the Patriots have had for the last 15, 20 years is that their division stinks. The biggest strength that they've had is they go into every season knowing if we win 10 or 11 games, we're winning our division, we are getting a home playoff game. Most of the time, the Chiefs haven't had that. The Chargers, the Broncos, somebody has been good in their division. And so you had to win 12, 13 games to win the AFC West. I don't believe that's the case this year. The Chiefs division stinks. We can say what we want about the Raiders. They had a really nice win the last couple of weeks. One against the... Okay, sweet. Kramer's a Raiders fan. Kramer, question for you. Answer for you. Is what the Raiders are doing, is this real? Yes. Yes, this is real. No, no, it's not. Yes, you, you it do, do you Do you honestly believe that? Yeah, I, this is a, a team that has improved a lot from yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. This you know a, what that means? Is, they can win seven games. Now, this is at least above 500 team now from what I'm seeing. Okay. Okay. The Raiders stink. And you're going to see that coming out the bye when they play at the Packers and at the Texans and then take on the Lions and the Chargers. They're going to go 0-4 in that, in that stretch. They're going to go 0-4. And we're all going to be like, oh, the Raiders stink. Because the Raiders stink. This division is terrible. The AFC West has turned into the AFC East. This is the single biggest advantage that the Chiefs have right now. The Chiefs' advantage right now in the AFC is we don't have to worry about our division. It is locked up on October 12th. It's over. You can go ahead and write it in stone. The Chiefs will win the AFC West. And so they are getting a top four seed. They're going to host a playoff game. We can figure out moving forward if they get the buy or not. I think they're a team that should fight for that. But because of how banged up they are, who knows, right? Who knows? I don't know when they're going to be, like, truly healthy again. And they've just got a brutal schedule coming up. The Packers, the Vikings, at the Titans. It, it's going to get really tough coming up here in a couple of weeks. The Chiefs' biggest advantage this year is that they are not in just a brutal fight to win the AFC West the way that they were last year. Last year, they had to have their foot on the gas from day one up until the end of the season because the Chargers were right behind them. They had to win 12 games to be able to have any chance of winning the division last year. It's just not the case this year. I think 10 or 11 games wins this division this year. It's the same thing the Patriots have been dealing with for the last 10, 15 years. The AFC East has stunk for 15 years. The AFC West, for the first time in a while, stinks. Kramer can believe in his Raiders all he wants to. That's fine. They're going to stink. They're going to be 3-6 and six at one point, and we're going to say 10-6 and six wins this division. That's how it's going to go. And so the biggest advantage that the Chiefs have is the same advantage that the Patriots have had for the last 15 years. Their division stinks, and it's going to give them an opportunity to host a home game regardless of how much you really believe in this team. All right. So we've got a lot coming up. This is a game that Frank Clark can finally silence the critics. Plus, coming up at 11.30, we are going to be joined by my friend Sean Pendergast. He hosts a morning show in uh, Houston. So we are going to preview the uh, Chiefs versus the Texans game with him. That's coming up at 11.30. Coming up next, 
Frank Clark, it's finally time to uh, silence the critics. We'll get into that coming up next on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.